Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Hi, and welcome back to the next episode of IT4 Whiskey. My name is Joe Yusia, and today I'm joined by my good buddy, Myron Herrera. Unfortunately, Craig wasn't able to make it today, but Myron and I are moving forward. What's up? Yes, we are. Do you want to introduce our guest today? Yes. Well, today we have a special guest. Heard me mention him a thousand times before. Uh, my best bud, he's a brother from another mother, he's a family member, he's my daughter's godfather, he's a best friend, he's a business partner. Yeah, that guy, Giovanni Rodriguez. Hello, guys. Very nice to see you here. Very good. This is awesome. You know, after so many episodes, really great to have you on. It's been way too long. It's, it's overdue. I am wearing my IT for Whiskey t-shirt. I got an uh, IT for whiskey whiskey <laughs> class. I'm all IT for whiskey. Yeah, actually, Vani's was the only one that schedule wise we couldn't get, you know, on any of the other episodes, and so it's just about time. Someone's got to work. Just drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the two of us think differently. No, actually, what? You no, know, let's start off on a really high note. Myron, what are you drinking today? No, 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 no. Let's talk about what, what this episode is about. Yeah, but I want to talk about what you're drinking. I'm really interested. All right, all right. So this this bottle, which is, there's not much left to it, is a Dalmore Sherry Cask Select. Really good 12-year aged uh, Dalmore bottle. I saw this at the local liquor store, and I had not seen this before. I opened it up uh, a couple of days ago, and... Um, it's almost gone. It's really, really good. You, you hit a few chords there. How can you go wrong? Well, so Balvini has a, a sherry bottle, sherry cask bottle. And I actually don't like that one. I feel like it's a little bitter. This this thing is so smooth, so good. Well, today I'm I'm actually drinking dum dum dum. Dum dum dum. I'm drinking uh I'm drinking the Abelor twelve. Seems like this is a little bit of a theme today. But it's such a great drink. I think we've had it on the show before, but uh, it's one of my go-tos. On social media recently, we posted, you know, the 12 lineup. This was one of them. It's a great drink. 
I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you, Giovanni? Let's get this whiskey stuff out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So today I'm drinking uh, a bourbon, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Angel's Envy. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon finished in port wine barrels. According to the notes here, you get a little bit of caramel, raisins, and vanilla. So, Joe, what are we really talking about today? Great question, Myron. There's so much that has transpired year and change since the world changed forever. But the real question is, now that this is the new normal, we need to become more efficient and more profitable as companies. The question really becomes, when should a customer no longer be a customer? Or when is a customer not right or not a fit? As business owners, we ask ourselves, you know, sometimes we get into an engagement with a customer because the money looks great and everything sounds fantastic. And, you know, especially when you're dating, everything's great. And then once you get married and ink gets onto paper, uh, that's when things start coming to, to fruition. And so the real question is, when isn't a customer right? Well, I, I, you know, it's funny because we recently on the Synetec side had a situation where we had a customer for, for some time. And um, it was renewal time. And much to the customer's surprise, they wanted to send out the business for, for bidding, which is fine, probably because, you know, neither side were happy with it. But when it came time for us to present, you know, we declined in representing and just told the customer that, no, we didn't even want an opportunity, that we were essentially firing them as a customer. And that was a big surprise. But the reality is that sometimes they consume you in the wrong way. And that, that's something that needs to be addressed. And, and we've done that maybe one or once or twice. And I think once I said a story about a customer we didn't hire or we didn't sign, sign up with because of the same, same similar issues. I, I think it's something that most MSPs are afraid to do, guts to do it. But in reality, at the end of the day, you know, in our case, the customer was just consuming our staff and it was affecting the way we were supporting the rest of the customers. So it was important to do. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about, um, you know, I love the phrase, the, the riches are in the niches, uh, which, you know, points to if you focus on a particular area where you excel at and you're really good at, uh, you're going to find the riches. And I find that, you know, the same applies to standardiz standardization. The same applies to having the right fit. Uh, it's a marriage. You're gonna start dating, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna dance together, right? Uh, so if if you don't if you're not dancing at the same tempo, if the expectations are different, if the if the vision, the way that they see you uh, is different, you're gonna end up uh, um, in a divorce. And sometimes it will happen. You know, most businesses wait for that divorce to come from the other side, and sometimes uh, businesses have to be smart about when to cut the cord. Absolutely. And, and you, were, you were mentioning earlier before we hit the record button, Giovanni, about the restaurant analogy. It spoke to me. And I never thought of it that way before. But when you were explaining that, like a light bulb went off. Yeah. You know, I was, I was uh, uh, telling uh, Joe and Myron that I had a picture in my mind of a restaurant uh, that I saw recently on social media. And the analogy was that, you know, you have so many tables and those tables uh, are representing your resources. And sometimes you have a customer that is either ordering the hard stuff or the, you know, stuff that slows down the kitchen, or it's sitting there just sipping coffee. 
is taking up a table. And sometimes you're afraid of saying, you know what, it's, it's time to leave. But the reality is that as afraid as you might be of saying, you know, the table is going to be empty. Uh, what it really does is open it opens a door for a great customer to sit down and order that nice steak with the you know the five course meal and it will be a customer that would appreciate the meal appreciate the effort that it took for you to collect the ingredients and and serve that serve that meal so um, give you that five star Yelp review <laughs> yeah yeah I was telling uh, I was telling Joe that I'm very visual so I, I I kind of you know linked the conversation we were having to the restaurant but it's true I mean even even not just be a a, a customer that's 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 you know creating havoc but that's going to take the attention of your staff to try to fix those things, right? Instead of managing other customers correctly. And the other customers, the good customers, the ones that are paying, the ones that are not complaining about the food are going to have a bad experience. And, you know, all of a sudden, one bad apple will ruin the batch. So, you know, you got you to gotta cut it out. And one of the very similar analogy, what we decided to do a few years ago is we shifted our, our focus in our business model. We used to be very, very focused on the enterprise and large uh, business space. And about four or five years ago, we shifted that downstream to the mid-market. And since then, we've, we've, we officially call ourselves an SMB-focused MSP and MSSP. And the truth is, the way I, we kind of look at it is, if you have one or two very large customers that are taking up all your time, if there is a divorce that happens from either side, there goes 50 or 100% of your revenue. If you've got 100 smaller customers and one or two of them decides to kind of, it doesn't work out for whatever reason from either side, that doesn't affect you, right? So I do agree, it gives you that confidence, this isn't worth it. And we need to focus on the customers that are good customers and cut the cord. We actually had one um, customer. They were relatively small, but their IT needs were pretty significant. You know, there were eight employees, but they were spending over 10 grand a month with us. And we cut that cord because they were burning more cycles than an organization that was spending 30 grand a month. And so you, you have to start measuring what the impact is on the organization, employee morale. People hated dealing with this customer. The customer hated dealing with, started sensing that and started resenting it. And you can't control that emotion when, you know, there's that animosity between a customer and, you, and your staff. And quite frankly, my staff were not in the wrong. They were absolutely justified in feeling this way. It got to a point that, no one wanted to deal with this guy because every time he called, he would yell and he would swear at you, call you an imbecile, insult you. And it's like, whoa, whoa, buddy, hold on a sec. I think you've talked about this in some episodes before. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have mentioned this before. <laughs> and and the, 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 But in this scenario, for this, this perspective of conversation, we made a decision to fire this guy. As much as he was bringing in respectable money, not amazing, not, but it wasn't nothing either. We said, you know what? We're not going to starve if this guy goes. We're not going to we're not going to lose sleep over it. If anything, I'll sleep better at night. So when you get to that threshold of, you know what, I can sleep better at night by firing this customer because they're just consuming me physically, mentally and emotionally. So you 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 mentioned the percentage of the size of the customer, right? To your total 
customer base. And that's important. And I think for those of you listening, and I know that when you're smaller and you're, you're starting or, or whatnot, you have this one key customer that's really the one that's kind of driving your growth. Right. And it's the one that opened the doors for you or, or is the, that the number one customer. Right. And that's OK. But you need to grow. You focus your growth. So that way, that one customer, whoever that is, your larger client, your largest revenue client becomes just a smaller percentage. And I would say that overall, out of your 100 percent of your business, your largest client should not be more than 20 percent. Really, it should be less than 10, but at least less than 20. If you're above 20, you got to work that down because there's too much risk. Again, like Joe says, if that customer, whether you divorce them or they divorce you, it's going to be a big impact. It's going to require you to potentially fire people or maybe close down the business or whatever the case is. So you want to make sure that you're down at 20% or 10%, ideally at 10% or less. 10%, so maybe you don't make profit one year but it, it doesn't kill the business. Uh, and that's the key, that's the key thing. So it, if you need something to strive for, strive for bringing your customers to being less than 20 or 10%. No, I agree. I, we had, um, a, once upon a time, many, many years ago, we had one, what we called our anchor client or house account, depending on how you, you coin it. And they were 40% of our revenue. They were a big, big chunk and it was highly profitable and it was very sticky, but we had a new VP come in of operations. And the first thing he asked us, the very, very first thing, he said, look, we're spending quite a bit of money with you, you know, a couple of million a year, blah, blah, blah. He said, uh, and he asked us straight up, he goes, what percentage of your revenue am I? I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't have the answer on the spot. I said, that's a great question. I said, you're, you're a big part of it, but you're not the only customer we have. Let me, let me get you an actual number. And I, I can, he said, because I'll tell you right now, if I'm more than 25%, I have an issue. So customers also recognize the risk from their side of things, that if they represent your lion's share of, of the business, that puts them at risk as well. So even if you do score that big customer that ends up being 25, 30, 50% of your revenue and it helps you grow, don't become stagnant. Don't become complacent. You need to go out there and find new ones because if they cut the cord or if you cut, have to cut the cord, it will impact and there will be unfortunate outfall that or fallout, pardon me, that may or may not be the end of the company. And it's that drastic. And, and a lot of times we do become complacent. We do see, hey, the money's coming in. Life is good. This will never end. Well, let me tell you one thing I have learned. No customer, no customer. Last yeah, and I think I think MSPs need to be looking out for the red flags. If, if there's a particular requirement or some some type of compliance that you're, you're not familiar with and you're embarking on some new territory, it might consume you. And, and what ends up happening is that that time that you're spending trying to figure out or implement new things that this customer uh, needs, uh, then you're you're not you know providing enough attention to your existing customers, potentially uh, delaying projects, uh, which can compensate for that revenue. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, if you take a hard look and at what are the products and services and what projects you have lined up, you might be able to say, look, I can't afford to lose this customer one because it's eating up all my resources, my response time is going down, and you might be able to say, you know what, run the numbers. 
look at, you know, how much revenue you could bring in if you were, you know, dedicating the right amount of time to these customers instead. So that's something that, you know, uh, having a, a, you know, a lot of times companies focus on their ideal customer, but not enough time is spent looking at having a list of what are the red flags and the customers you don't want. And even harder it is to basically pass that on to, to, to the rest of the organization. So that way, when you have, you know, you have a sales team, you have your account managers, you have, so your team can actually see that coming. In most companies, they just can't can even imagine the idea of bringing up the fact that this is not an ideal customer for us. You said one thing there that I just wanted to take it one step further. Most people, and I'm guilty of this, I, I, I've in the past overlooked this. There's enough food on the table or enough money on the table as is that that customer is preventing you from achieving. So with your existing customers, notwithstanding that, that one organization, if you were to cut that cord, would it really impact your business? And a lot of times it won't because you have enough in your existing customer base. Now, if you're not at that stage, that's what you need to strive for. Pick up as many small little customers that you can. And they don't have to be glorified brands and all these great logos. Who cares? Pick up as many customers as you can. Pick up as much diversity as you can. And don't let any one customer own you. And many times, you know, we've all been guilty of this. Every time we say, you know what, we want to grow by 20%. um, The first thing that comes to mind is new customers, right? You know, I got to go get get new customers. But if you if you basically uh, do a a dual strategy and take a look at, you know, are are there services? Are there things that I do that my current my current customers don't have? Um, And I know that there's there's many MSPs that it's kind of all or nothing. You know, some MSPs have different services that their customers are not taking advantage of. Maybe uh, they're breaking it up. And, you know, uh, and that's what kills you. You you have a customer that wants to have their own backup solution, but wants you to manage it. You know, you have a customer that, you know, brings in their own antivirus because they feel like they got a great deal with a vendor. Uh, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're inheriting all this all this baggage <laughs> uh, that you have to deal with. And, you know, the money might be good, but I, I um, somebody once told me that, you know, every dollar is not earned the same way. There are dollars that cost a lot to earn. Streamlining, standardization, there are dollars that are easier to, to, to bring in. There was one year we had said we wanted to grow by 15%. And our sales team at that point was very skinny. We had just a few reps. And what we did to get that growth, we added a new product line, went to our existing customers and upsold them. And we had such an uptake of it. At the time, it was you know, going way back. This is, we're talking, it was Postini. Because we didn't really do any SaaS at the time. We said, well, how are we going to increase our revenue stream, et cetera, et cetera. And we partnered with uh, Postini. This is pre-Google acquisition. And... Within six months, we hit that 15% target just by adding that on. It was crazy, the revenue stream that we, and the profit stream off it. Talk about low-hanging fruit. Now, today, here we fast forward a decade later, it's anti-spam, big deal, right? Everyone does it. But 10 years ago, not everybody did that. So find if you find that, that next thing that you know customers are wanting to hear about or wanting to get involved in, then you may be able to achieve those targets. And that's how you can go back and say, you know what? If we cut the cord with this customer and we fire this customer, it frees up cycles to bring this on, you'll surpass that income within a few months and you'll be better off for it. And now if, if, the, if that customer has been absorbing your time, now maybe you have time to go, go find that, that, that new product, that new vendor that you need to partner with. So, Absolutely. 
Once, once your, your staff frees up, you can focus on those things that make you more efficient, that maybe produces more, more, you can produce more out of those other customers or go out there and find that ideal customer. And that's really what it comes down to. And a lot of, a lot of times MSPs, especially the sub 10 employee MSPs focus on so much trying to make that one customer work and it really drags them. I mean, I, I know of us, we had a customer back in the day uh, in New York, and I think I talked about this customer, um, large organization, about 150 employee uh, users, great customer uh, location, you know, right in the heart of Manhattan. Uh, we thought it was, you know, awesome to have, you know, we were impressed just by their office. That's how, that's how cool it was. And they consumed us and they wanted us to give them the cheapest price. Um, and we bent you know, we, 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 we gave them, you know, lower than what we normally price ourselves at because we, we wanted the business because we thought that by having that customer, it would open up doors because we thought that just getting money, getting business was good. Um, and after having them for a year or so, we realized that it, it wasn't a great experience. And, um, luckily for them, they went out of business and it, it all worked out, you know, from our standpoint because we moved on. But when that business was gone, we just flourished because again, we had more time, our staff, because the problem is morale goes down too. you know, to flip the story, morale goes down, you know, in, in my story of, of our customer recently, I mean, the morale, I was like, what's going on in the company? The morale is down. And next thing you know, it's like, oh no, this customer, you know, is, they've been awful. You know, they're treating us, you know, in a certain way, you know, it just takes everybody down, you know, be mindful of that, be, be, be on the lookout for that and make sure that you don't put yourself in that position because it, it doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to be happy and, and, and happy business, profitable business. That's the way I see it. Yeah, we've made that mistake a couple of times at least. And I think we all have at some point or another, um, including the listeners, that you, you take on a customer because of the promise of the growth. Maybe the customer has a sister company. I, I, if I remember in that case, there was two sister companies that we were hoping to get, right? So you want to get in the door, you, you know, you kind of, you know, lower your price. The expectation doesn't, doesn't go down. The expectation is the same. Uh, but then, you know, if you would have priced it correctly, maybe you would have brought in a, an extra, another resource, but you know, you went cheap, so you can't add the extra resource. So you're killing yourself. And the, the, the idea is that, you know, there are a, a, a few rough years in, in the, in the, in the beginning of the life of the MSP, but it, it needs to, it needs to go smooth sailing from, from, from one point forward. Um, and, and I still see, I talk, I talk to a lot of MSPs every day. And, and that's the one thing that I see that it's almost a given. It's mo it's almost, uh, it's been accepted that the, the quality of life and the, the way that you have to run the day to day, uh, is, you know, killing yourself. And, and the reality is that if you pick the right products and services, if you pick the right customers and you empower your team, um, it doesn't have to be that crazy. And you can make some, you can make some good money with, with some vendors. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> I might know one or two. You know, I, I will say there, there is something to be said about picking the right strategic partnership or vendor, ones that do understand what we go through. Like I, I love hearing when we hear, you know, when I, when you're talking to reps at vendors and I love when they say, you know, I used to work at an MSP or I used to own an MSP. And that right away tells me, well, if you did that for five years, you get it. 
you understand who I am and where I'm coming from, and you understand what my objectives are, the conversation changes immediately versus an empty suit that's just trying to make a quota. Right. And there's there's a drastic difference. You know, unfortunately, we just we just lost our, our one of our vendor reps and um, he had been our vendor rep for the last four years. And he worked at an MSP for five years before that and then got this fancy job at, at the vendor. And unfortunately, the vendor did some major layoffs and he didn't get let go. He got repositioned. He got he got shuffled because he was one of the he's one of the good ones. And they kept him and they shuffled his role. And, and our, our entire demographic is now without a rep or waiting to see what will happen. And the the reason why we we the relationship with him was so strong was because of his past because he came from our space and i never had to explain to him the logic behind things the reasoning why am i asking for this that or the other like it, it just made my life easier so we flourished with that vendor we did well with them now i don't know with what's going to happen moving forward and I, and i'll say and it's not because you guys are here or or because you're involved but i've seen firsthand that greenlink is one of those companies and this is not sponsored by greenlink thanks for the plug stretch. thanks for the plug but but greenlink is a great company and that's the type of organization that msps need to turn to to partner with because you do get it you guys understand what it is to be an msp you understand the trials and tribulations that MSPs go through, and and you get it hands down. Like every every interaction I've had is you guys understand. Yeah, no. So 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 going back to the to the to, to the firing the firing the customer, um, I have a couple a couple of other things to to, to say. Is is yes, you know uh, that was a great great tip, uh, Joe. Um, you know we used to have this this it was a simple spreadsheet that you had every customer going down in a column and you had every service or things or for example if we brought in a new vendor you would identify which one of your it was a great tool to actually visualize um you know you know in in terms of who who's who's utilizing what so that's a great strategy going back to your 15 percent trying to grow 15 percent and the other thing is that you know it you know it sounds harsh you know firing a customer um but it doesn't have to be harsh it it, it can be a very uh, professional conversation uh you know you you could be a gentleman about it and, and, and I'm, I'm referring to, to, to my business partner here with, you know, sat down, had the conversation and, you know, they asked for feedback. The, the feedback was provided. And, you know, the, the response was they said, you know what, anybody else could have sent a text or an email saying, hey, we don't we don't want to do this. We don't want to renew. But they they understood that that there was a misalignment. Uh, we expressed it. And, and, and on top of that, they might refer somebody else to us that is a good fit. Uh, you're not burning bridges. It's it's an honest conversation, and it could go down in, in a way that it's it's positive for both sides because they might find a vendor that 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 has exactly what they're looking for. You know, so I think that 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 is the other side of the coin in terms of um, it could be done in a way that it's done professionally and uh, they're treated with respect. And there's there's times. Look, we we had a we had a client who's a very good friend of mine. And I know the family for a very long time, and I know some of you listen, so um, you know you who you are. <laughs> it, it wasn't working. We were, and that was we were at fault. You know, they had specific requirements. Uh, where their office was was very far from where our office was. We obviously were doing business together because we were friends. You know, they they came and said, "Hey, Byron, it's not it's not working. We have to 
we're going to have to hire somebody, you know, help us through that process. And, and I understood it. And I said, that's, that's okay. Although it was at the time it was, they were, I think it was like 20% of our, of our income. It was a big deal. Um, it was the right thing to do. And, and, and I said, look, to me, it's more important that our friendship is, is intact because to me, friendship is everything. We work on that and move on past the business side so that we can maintain that that friend friendship relationship right and today years later we are the best of friends we we they they send us business all the time like Giovanni was you know mentioning they they'll send us business because we have a good relationship and and we help them whenever they have a big challenge we're there to advise them on that big challenge and you and you move on to another level of relationship so it's very important to to realize when something's not working how to how to break apart and still maintain friend relationship because that's important you know it's uh, almost time to cut it to the end what do you think is there any any closing thoughts you have there Giovanni before we go no, I'm I'm an avid listener. I I usually uh, listen uh, when I cut my grass, uh, and it's uh, sort of uh, interesting to be sitting on the other side. Well, I'll tell you, it it was fantastic having you here today. I definitely can see you coming back. You have a lot of great insight, and and congrats uh, on on doing so well with Greenland. Congrats to you and and the company. It's you guys have been doing. You guys have been going gangbusters. You guys are everywhere, right? Good for you. All right, take it away. Invite me, and I'm here. Sounds like a plan. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. Yo. Oh, please don't take your shirt off, Kevin, Joe. Did you get that? Yes, you did. <laughs>